This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Gusto, modern, easy payroll benefits for small businesses across the country. And because you're a listener, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. Find out at gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Michael Stelsner. He is the founder of Social Media Examiner and the producer of Social Media Marketing World, a great conference for pretty much anybody in marketing. So, Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me back, John. Yeah, back. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I'm having people on third and fourth time. I, I, I bet I had you on for your first or for your, your book, White Papers, didn't I? I don't really know, but I think this has got to be at least my third time on the show. I really, I remembered... Talk, when would that have been? Like 2008? The white paper thing? Man, that's a long time ago. Right? I we're know. Talking, we're talking like uh, 2006-ish, 2007. Well, I've been doing the show that long, so I'm going to have to go look that up. <laughs> I w- I'm probably the only person who has had you on to talk about that on a podcast and then back about trends in social media 2020. I think that's probably a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been doing your podcast for how long? Uh, seven and a half years almost. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm, I'm already getting off off uh, topic here, but um, it's just amazing how much podcasting has taken off. And I'm actually calling audio content, you know, kind of a trend for 2020, even though it's been around. I think it's just going to just go crazy in 2020. I'm with you 100%. Uh, I think it's a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, – Spotify bought uh, Gimlet and Anchor, and Apple also reinvigorated all their apps. So I would say for sure there's there's a big, big move uh, towards new people starting to listen to this stuff you and I have been doing for a long time. And, and where do you come down on stuff like uh, the uh, Alexa skills and flash briefings and stuff? Do you think a lot of mainstream podcasters are going to start using those as distribution channels? Um, well, to be honest with you, we tried it for nine months and we saw almost nothing. So either we were really way too early to the game and we're talking, we decided to shut that down about six months ago. Um, I don't think most people are going to use the smart speakers for the kinds of things that they do here. So until I think people start using it for something other than utilitarian purposes, um, I'm not sure that's going to be as big a deal as podcasting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because again, when I started podcasting, it was so hard to get people to show people how to listen <laughs> to a podcast. Which obviously now that's you know every every smartphone comes equipped with it, and there's all these places like Spotify. But I mean, I, I have to think that at some point the smart speakers are going to get easier that way. But um, but again, tough. You might have been you might have been early. Well, what's fascinating is most people don't even know you can ask if you have an iPhone, you can ask it to tell you the news. And it will ask you who's your preferred news provider and NPR, Fox, or CNN. They'll book, they'll give you the news. Most people don't even know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So let's talk about 2020. Um, you uh, follow you. You know, you you interact with the brightest minds in social media. You follow it yourself. You write about it yourself. So I wanted to kind of do a show on just wh- where you see we're going. So I've got a couple specific things. We already got into one, <laughs> but uh, are do you, are there kind of your overarching trends for 2020 for social media? Yeah, there's a couple things. First of all, we're seeing rising ad costs um, on Facebook in particular and Instagram, mostly because right now during the holidays, but also because it's going to be an election year. So you're going to see a lot of ad inventory be taken up 
by political candidates, which is going to, and you also have a limited amount of inventory and rising number of uh, advertisers. Mark Zuckerberg recently said 7 million active uh, advertisers on the platforms competing for limited space. So the ad costs are rising. And as a result, a lot of marketers are looking for organic activities. And one of the areas where we're seeing a lot of organic growth is on Instagram uh, and also on YouTube. So I think we're seeing the rise of very short form video in the case of stories on Instagram and Facebook, and also a rise of the number of people utilizing YouTube. You've got over a billion daily active users on YouTube with an average session duration of like 27 minutes. So I think both of these things represent big uh, organic activities that are in the realm, the scary realm, John, <laughs> video marketing. Where do where do you see those two things fitting in? Like, how where does where does Instagram Stories fit in for a typical marketer? Uh, first of all, there's lots of opportunities with Instagram Stories because they show up at the top of the feed when you first open the app, and in the middle. And it's just um, for the small business marketer, it's just a matter of showing up regularly and just talking about things like hey, here's what's going on in the office or here's here's the new product idea we're working on or here's how we make what you buy, Consumer X, you know, or even day in the life kind of stuff. So these very short 15-second videos really are getting a lot of play on Instagram and it's just a top-of-mind thing. As you know, John, one of the biggest challenges in this competitive space is being someone that others think of when they when they have a solution. When they're looking for a solution, you want them to think of your business. On the long-form side of it, the benefit to YouTube is that people go there with the intent of watching video, where on Instagram, they don't always go there with the intent to watch video. So the benefit of YouTube is it's a search engine, and a lot of people forget about that. So if you can create answers to questions that people have, prospects have, and they're searching YouTube and they find your video, then all of a sudden they might subscribe to your channel. They might go a little deeper and check out whatever it is that you do. So I, th- I think of YouTube as almost like the new Google search because a lot of people are watching video. And by the way, John, this is part of a mega trend when you couple it with what's going on with Disney Plus and Apple Plus, two major multi-billion dollar companies getting into the video streaming game. I think we're seeing a mega trend here, which is longer form video consumption becoming like we're really in the age of long-form video consumption, and it's going to be one of those things that we're going to look back in, in history and say this is the the age of literally digital television like like nothing we've ever seen before. Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, a lot of people miss, too, is um, because so many people go to YouTube to ask it a question. I mean, it's like, how do I do something uh, right. is like the main thing. The related searches there for videos, it's just a goldmine for SEO in term, because that's the stuff people are asking about, and that's the stuff you ought to kind of cement your entire uh, content marketing you know, of all forms around, I think. Yeah, and an important point here, a lot of people like us that have been in this industry for a long time that have been bloggers like you and me, John, um, video is like the future of blogging. It really is – you can create video blogs – that people will spend more time with than they will ever on your website reading your actual blog. And when your face is in there, then they get to know you and like you. And those are some of the core principles to people doing business with you. Yeah, and I, I think the uh, the days of somebody seeking out somebody's blog, unless it's on a, just a really very specific niche or something, and, and reading you know long-form content is probably, probably behind us, aren't they? I would say yes, but I still get a lot of people, almost a million people a month coming to our blog. We're out there, you know, in an industry that's constantly changing and they're searching 
So, but, but the, the scary side of this, John, as you probably know, more than half of all Google searches result in no click. And this is because of that company, Amazon, you mentioned the Alexa product is competing with the Google products and Google wants to give the single answer and moving towards an era where traffic from search is becoming harder. Therefore, diversifying into video is, a, is another advantage there because it's it's like a leg of the stool that so many of us have not built out yet. It drives me crazy sometimes. I'll go out there and search for something, and it takes me about five clicks on Google to get to the destination that I'm trying to get to. Yeah, I have to scroll down a lot if you're on a mobile phone. It might be like you could be in the number one slot, but you still have to scroll a couple screens because – they're doing everything in their power to provide you the answer so you don't have to click. Well, and even beyond that, um, if you, after this show publishes and you, and you Google duct tape marketing podcast, they'll show our episode in the you know top search results because they figure that's what you're looking for. But guess where it takes you? To Google Play, not to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, which I'm happy for the listener, but uh, you know uh, they're, uh, they're keeping people away. There you go. It makes sense. I mean, they're just like Facebook. They want to keep people on property. Everyone loves payday, but loving a payroll provider? That's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and management tools to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal. It's modern. You might fall in love yourself. Hey, and as a listener, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash tape. That's gusto.com slash tape. So let's talk a little bit about um, how you see the maturing of social media. Uh, again, we were we were both talking about this stuff when Twitter was founded, when people were going, oh, this is the next thing. How do you see you know, how social media has matured, just become a part of marketing, becomes a, a, a foundational element of of a business's plan. Um, where do you think we are in that? Believe it or not, I think we've gone back to where we were when we started. It's kind of like things have come full circle. If you remember, John, back in the day with Twitter and with Facebook, there was no images, there was no video, it was just text. And Facebook is kind of driving everything back towards that by encouraging people to be active inside of groups. Why? Because they can mine that content, right? And they can use that content to sell to advertisers. So the, 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 the key thing that a lot of social platforms are talking about is an engagement metric, right? So they want you to take some sort of an action, typically in an ideal world, a share and or a comment. And that's kind of how it was back in the day. It wasn't necessarily about you spending a lot of time necessarily consuming media on the platform. It was more about like you connecting with family, friends, and it's kind of moving back to that. And I think that that's a good thing because um, it's going to be a little harder for people like the bad marketers to ruin the experience, right? Because they that doesn't scale, right? The idea that you're going to have to engage with people does not scale. And as a result, those who are willing to invest in community development which is obviously interacting with prospects and customers are going to be the winners in the long run because in a world where somebody can create a fake persona and act like they're somebody that are not and drive people to, to sites that are not real, it's going to be the real people that are going to stand out and are going to thrive. And that's going to be good news for small businesses because I think if we go back to the way it was, which was true interaction, then that's how we develop and nurture relationships. So it's literally coming full circle, in my opinion. Do you fear that some people are, are fatigued uh, by social media? Not 
the good for uses, sure. not not the good uses you just described, but just the clutter. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the reality is that Facebook doesn't even reveal the kind of data they used to reveal before <laughs> because they're they're aware of this, right? Like in the past, they used to talk about how many daily active users were on Facebook and how many are, were on Instagram. And now they just kind of combine it all together in one breath. And I think it's because beyond the big seven or so social platforms, you've got all these little private uh, communities that people are are moving more towards. So we're seeing, uh, obviously, people interacting in private Facebook groups. We're seeing people interact in apps that nobody's ever heard of before, like Mighty Networks. And I think what's happening is the the aspect of community is strong, but the question of where you house your community is becoming more and more difficult because I think consumers are more aware of the fact that there's a lot of, like, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? You've heard this a million times. So they're moving to platforms where maybe they have to subscribe, um, but they know that their information won't be used against them. You mentioned um, bad marketers. Um, so let's uh, segue to messaging apps. Um, <laughs> where, where do you see, obviously, Messenger inside of Facebook? Almost everybody's got some you know, app, messaging app on their phone that comes native, and then there's a whole slug of all these other ones out there. Where do they fit? Well, the hype cycle on this is crazy, John, because uh, you know we do this annual report every year. And two years ago, the interest in Messenger bots was completely off the charts. Last year, the interest in Messenger bots was not it dropped dramatically and we're about to really we're about to do our study here in a couple of weeks in early 2020 on on this very same topic again and um i think what happened a lot of people were sold on this idea that messenger bots are like email but with better open rates like that lured them in right but then when they began working with bots they began to realize whoa this is way more complicated than i thought and that's the truth and the reality of bots is that you practically have to learn a programming language, even if it's drag and drop. And it's super complicated. And Facebook changes the rules all the time on what you can and cannot do. So um, I think bots can be really, really effective, but, but it's just like anything else. It's just it's probably one of the most complicated things you can do. So you have to probably hire an agency or consultant to do it for you. And that's where it gets a little bit squirrely. And we've tried two different bots twice, and we ended up shutting both of them down because it was just this big old rabbit hole that we didn't want to get into. Have you heard better things from others, or have you also experienced? No, I, I, I think that they're just extremely hard to do well. Um, yeah. and, and if they're not done well, they're worse than not being done. <laughs> yeah, and the natural language processing isn't there. So what ends up happening is you can type in as a uh, a sentence, but it won't understand what it is or it'll wrongly interpret it. So I think we're going to get there in the next couple of years as artificial intelligence on the natural language processing gets really, really good. But right now, um, there are some great tools out there and we have a whole track on it at our conference, but it is definitely one of the more complicated things uh, that marketers uh, are doing right now. And I think there's upside, don't get me wrong, but I think the hype was pretty crazy off the charts. I um, was listening to an NPR show, and I, I won't remember any of the names of the people, but they were talking about people who were very deep into this, into the technology of this industry. And they said, um, one of the scientists said that one of the dirty little secrets that people don't really don't realize is that where we are with a lot of AI right now is a lot of AI is actually being interpreted by humans in like sweatshops, <laughs> you know, all over the world. And uh, that, that that's, you know, that's the, the promise of this technology is just not there yet. Yeah, it's kind of like 
to be honest, what it is right now, it's like when you call those toll-free numbers and you have to push one to do this and two to do that. It's That's literally where bots are right now, except instead of a one or a two on your screen, it's giving you buttons that you push. And it's just logic tree stuff. But where it gets really, really complicated is the fact that there's all these regulations and rules put on by Facebook in particular that you've only got so much time to to respond. And I mean, it, it can get really, really kludgy. So yeah, that's that's definitely an area that I am not an expert in, but I've interviewed a lot who are experts, and my data shows that it's probably one of those things that definitely could provide value, but you you better have a decent-sized team to focus on this because it could take you off focus of other more important things. So let's talk about more important things like influencers. Yeah. How how uh, how do you see, uh, again, the model of going out, find people who have heart, you know, huge followings, um, big name brands uh, out there, celebrities. I mean, that's gone on forever. Uh, is has social media democratized that a bit? In other words, you know, a person that's got fifty thousand Instagram followers that you've never heard of, and they've just been able to really dig into that platform and get you know some engagement is now an influencer. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you feel about that aspect of social media. Yeah. First of all, Instagram influencers in particular are in a world of trouble right now, John. If you haven't heard, they removed uh, in certain countries. And, and, and in America, I think it's – I don't know if it's rolled out everywhere or if it's in testing, but I don't see – I don't see the uh, the, the, the hearts anymore on, my Insta, on the Instagram posts. I see it on my own, but my audience doesn't see it. You just see if it was like by – you know, if, if it was like by, you know, it, it, it just says and others, really, if I, if I recall. And I think what that's doing is it's because there's so many young people on Instagram and they understand that this is definitely hurting uh, the mental space of a lot of young people. But they also understand that uh, this also could democratize, if you will, Instagram a little bit where everyone is is perceived as equal. Um, I, I don't think the world of influencer marketing is going to survive in the long run in the way it is on Instagram. But I do believe that influence is important. So if I can explain that, um, it's not about how many followers the world sees that you have. So the social proof side of it, right, isn't, I don't think, as important as it was. I think instead what's important is whether or not you, as a creator of any kind of content can yield influence on your audience, which has always been the case, right? John, you've got people that listen to your podcast and they hear about the things you talk about and they choose to act because you said that you believe this to be true. That is you yielding influence to your audience. And the real question is like whether or not that is an industry that can be monetizable. I prefer instead to help people figure out how to yield their own influence on whatever platform they're on and use that to help them grow their business, not rely on the influence of others. So I don't, I don't believe necessarily, but I know it works. Don't get me wrong. I know it does work for certain kinds of businesses as, as an accelerant, but I think it's a kind of one of those dangerous slippery slopes you got to be careful of. So, so I'm trying to get Pat Mahomes to come on and talk about the duct tape marketing podcast. Um, that didn't mean anything to you because you're a San Diego chargers fan probably, but yeah, it didn't total blank. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. He was last year's MVP in the NFL. He's the Chiefs quarterback. But you, you clearly, you, you gave I'm me within not. about half a second there that you were not an NFL fan. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that he's he's amazing. But yeah, exactly. Like that's the whole point, right? Like like remember when Guy Kawasaki had millions of followers and everybody wanted Guy Kawasaki. You know, just a name that a lot of our audience is familiar with. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, like the honest truth is that. 
we all want people to advocate for us, right? And some are worth paying. But that concept has been around forever. You know, affiliate marketing, right? I mean, like that's what that's what built the back of affiliate marketing. So I just think the I think that the influencer marketing world has got a really I think it's one of those things everyone's running from right now because the bad rap of what's come out of YouTube and and uh, Instagram. And I'm not I'm not talking about it, you know, because I don't believe it's important. I believe influence is important instead. Yeah, remember the ad uh, uh, magazine ads from the '50s with the movie stars with a cigarette. I mean, that was pretty much the same thing, wasn't it? I would imagine so. Yeah, I mean, and trust me, it does work. Obviously, if you're a a super super well known individual in in the audience that you're trying to target with, yes, I mean, the idea of leveraging someone who is a celebrity, a celebrity endorsement is probably not dead ever. But the question is, how do we label a celebrity, right? That's really what we're talking about. Yes, that, that's a whole show by itself, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> um, you have, uh, depending upon when people are listening to this, uh, January 2020 probably-ish um, and beyond, but uh, you have another edition of Social Media Marketing World coming up in San Diego. This was this ninth year? Uh, yeah, I think it's our eighth, and it's it's March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Um, yeah, and we're really excited. It's, it's, uh, it's a different world <laughs> for sure. I don't remember you've been to our event at least three times, right? Or four times or something like that. Five or six. Were you there at the very first year or did you come? I think I, I think I spoke there for the first four or five, six years. Yes. Yeah. So it's really, it's changed a lot since then. Um, it's got 16 tracks now covering everything you could possibly imagine, you know, all the major social platforms. Um, this year, one of the cool things that we've got is four different tracks on video, um, video creation, video marketing, YouTube for business and live video, because that's a big trend. A lot of marketers do not understand how to wrap their brain around, but yeah, um, thousands of people from all over the world will be coming as they always do. And many thousands also, uh, attend virtually. So I'm excited. I'm pretty positive. It's your, yeah, it is definitely your eight. Yeah. So, and, and without a doubt, um, I'm sure there are metrics, to back this up, uh, the the premier social media show for sure. Yeah, last year we had four thousand seven hundred people there, um, and another couple thousand virtually. So definitely not the biggest marketing conference in the world. That would probably be like, I don't know, maybe inbound or something. But for sure, for social media, we're the biggest. Yeah, or sales Dreamforce, if that's considered yeah. a marketing one. Uh, yeah, Dreamforce is its own little animal. <laughs> pretty pretty good size one. Well, Mike, it was great catching up with you as always, and uh, appreciate you stopping by. Um, people can find you at socialmediaexaminer.com, and that's, of course, where all the, the links to uh, all the social media marketing world and your, your report that you mentioned is, a, is always a great read every year. And uh, um, so, oh, yeah. One last thing, if you have room in your dial, in addition to John's podcast, you can check my podcast out also, which I don't think I mentioned the name. It's just called Social Media Marketing. Awesome. Appreciate it, Mike. Hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road soon. Thanks, John.